Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Wow, I, started, I thought maybe you all left. <laughs> it is 8.30 service, I know that. That's good. Well, good morning. I'm glad you're here, and um, I'm glad we're getting ready to start peace. We've, we've lit the candle of peace, and oh, they went out. Oh, bummer. Okay. And so uh, the candle was lit, and uh, peace is something that we're going to begin to celebrate throughout the rest of the year. And um, I think that peace is something humanity needs, amen? I think it's something we need personally. I think it's something we need as a world. We get to decide whether or not we, get, we make that um, our, our future as humanity, but... I think it's interesting that peace is something humanity knows it needs, but has struggled with since the beginning of time. We just seem to struggle with peace a lot. It seems to be a little bit elusive. But when we talk about world peace and we desire it for obvious reasons, I want to remind us that the Bible refers to Jesus as coming to bring us a personal peace first. Personal peace is exactly what you and I all need. And this morning, I want to make a statement about peace that I believe can guide our thoughts about peace and help us live in peace with ourselves and with everyone else and everything. And it's just something very simple. It's this, that peace is possible. It is possible. Peace is possible because Jesus left heaven and came to earth and gave us peace. It's not possible because a government is governing us well. We all know that, right? That's not why peace, peace will never be possible in that way. As long as men are trying to have peace with other men, that will never work. It just will never work. It's not possible because we've discovered uh, the three-step process to get along. It's not why it's working. We only have peace through the person of Jesus Christ. Now, why is peace important? It's simple. Because we either have peace or anxiety. That's just true. You, we are either living in peace or we are living in anxiety. The enemy will always push us towards anxiety, towards depression, towards mental unhealth. The enemy will always push us that direction. And without God, that's always the direction we're going. But Jesus came to bring peace. And as we focus on Jesus, and as we pursue Jesus, and as we have a relationship with Jesus and live in the Spirit, we are always pursuing peace. So I want to show us some powerful realities about peace today. So let's pray, and then uh, let me show you a couple things about peace from God's Word. Jesus, we thank you that you left heaven and came here to give us peace we ask that you would just open our hearts and our minds right now to your word, to the concepts in your word, to the theology, and help us put into practice the things that we read and study this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, the first reality about peace is interesting because we discover it in the Christmas story. It's revealed to us in the Christmas story, and that is that Jesus brought peace. I want to look at two verses really quick that relate to the Christmas story and then a couple that relate to Jesus' life. But one relates to the peace that every person on earth can have. The angels declare that. 
The second part of the story happens just a couple days later after Jesus' birth, actually eight days later, when a man named Simeon is looking for personal peace. And it's interesting that at this time when Jesus comes, he, he, the angels declare that, that general peace for all mankind will be available, and Simeon declares to us that personal peace is available as well and is possible to all of us. So look at Luke 2.14 first. In Luke chapter 2, verse 14, you'll remember the story. The shepherds are out hanging out with their sheep. The angels come, they reveal themselves, and they begin to sing. And this is what they sing. They sing glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. That's their song. Now this verse begins with praise to God. It begins by saying, Glory to the Lord, glory to God in the highest heaven. And what the angels are doing, the reason the angels are praising God is that they recognize what's about to happen. They recognize that peace is about to take place for all of mankind as Jesus eventually goes to the cross. In other words, what the angels are recognizing on a big scale from looking from heaven down to earth they're seeing that what God is doing is, is removing the barrier between him and us. That's what he's doing. And the angels can see that. And so they sing glory to God. Because now, for all of time, there will be peace between us and God and between God and us. And they say praise the Lord because that's what God is doing. Now, they also say something very interesting. They say that this peace will rest on people that have God's favor. So it brings up a question. How, how do I get God's favor to rest on me? If I want peace in my life and it says that peace comes by God's favor resting upon me, how do I get God's favor, his goodness, his blessing to fall upon me? Well, it's actually quite simple. You just have a relationship with him. You just have a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, when we pursue a relationship with God through Jesus, the favor of God rests upon us. And when that favor rests upon us because we're in relationship with him, then peace is possible for you and for me. The second verse is about a man named Simeon. Simeon has been hanging out in the temple courts day after day. And when Mary and Joseph bring Jesus into the temple courts to have him circumcised, Simeon gets really excited. Because Simeon has been waiting for the Messiah, the promised prophetic person that would come and rescue all of mankind from their sin. Simeon was waiting for that person. He was waiting for the Messiah, and this morning, eight days after Jesus had been born, the day that the Old Testament declares that a mother and father must take their child into the temple and have them circumcised, Simeon is there. He's waiting, he's praying, he's talking to the Lord like he normally does on his normal routine on any normal, ordinary day that Simeon is going about. And the Holy Spirit reveals something to him. The Messiah just walked in the building. He's right over there. See that little baby that that young girl is holding? That's him. 
And so Simeon runs over and he takes Jesus in his arms and he prophetically says some things about Jesus being the Messiah. And then he hands Jesus back to Mary and he says something very interesting in Luke chapter 2, verse 29. Simeon says this, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Now, Simeon could have said anything. He could have said, you dismiss your servant in joy. He said, you, you could have dismissed your servant in hope. He could have said, you, you dismiss your servant to have a great rest of the day. But he didn't. He said, you dismiss your servant in peace. Because what Simeon is declaring is that when you and I know who Jesus is, when you and I believe that Jesus is the Messiah, when you and I understand and theologically, practically, corporately, personally, that Jesus solved our brokenness problem, the problem of our failures, something that comes into our life and becomes resident in our soul forever is peace. Peace with God, peace with others. That's why Simeon says, I now have peace that I've seen Jesus. That's why Jesus came. Now, Jesus also talked about peace. As he grew up and became a man and began to teach, he, he spent some several times talking about peace. Two of the verses where he talked about peace are in John chapter 14 and chapter 16, and both of them uh, are worthy of looking at just for a moment. In John 14, verse 27, Jesus said this, Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now here's what Jesus says. I'm going to give you peace. It's my peace. It's not peace like the world wants. It's not world peace. It's personal peace. It's peace that you need that's way more important than world peace. It's peace between you and God. Now, if we could all figure out how to live for Jesus and do it right, we could have world peace. But we simply just cannot find that. In fact, many studies have been done about world peace. Lots of studies. I read several this week as I prepared for my message. And all of them report a quite extraordinary statistic. Since the beginning of recorded history, anyway, the entire world has been at peace less than 8% of the time. In the study, they discovered that of 3,530 years of recorded history, only 286 years saw peace. During this period, there have been 14,351 wars, large and small. There's been 3.64 billion people killed and in, in, in excess of 8,000 peace treaties were made and every one was broken. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to go way out on a limb just for a minute and say that maybe, just maybe, mankind's not very good at peace. Possibly. 
We're not very good at it. <laughs> we try, but what happens? Power comes over us. Selfishness comes over us. A desire for more. Uh, we get offended and grieved by somebody else. We pick up an offense, and before we know it, we're in a fight again. I wasn't talking about your home. I was talking about the world. <laughs> See, we try to live at peace with Jesus, or without Jesus, I should say, and we always fail, don't we? In John 16, Jesus said this about peace too. He said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And then this phrase. You're not going to like it, but it's true. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Now, let me point out the secret to peace right here as we begin. And we'll talk about this throughout the rest of my message. The secret to peace is that true peace is only found in Jesus. Jesus said this, in me you may have peace. If you replace me or Jesus with anything else, it just doesn't work. And we've tried everything, haven't we? We've tried everything. We can't have peace without Jesus. Relationship with Jesus is where we find peace. Jesus brought peace to earth and we continue in it when we live daily for him and in him. By the way, that's why our mission statement at Cheney Faith Center is that we exist to know him and live for him daily. That's, that's the whole point. Because we understand from Scripture that when we live for Jesus daily and we're obeying his word, all these things become a reality in our life. Hope, love, joy, peace, etc. They all become a part of our life when we're living for Jesus daily. See, the reality of peace is that Jesus brought peace and it's found in relationship with him. Peace is possible in Jesus. Now, the second reality about peace explains why Jesus left heaven and came to earth. Jesus knows, Jesus knew then, that the most important peace in our life is peace with God. Now, this is a present reality. It's an old reality. It'll be the reality in the future. One of the most important realities about peace is that you and I need peace with God. It's the most important peace that we need. Now, I will say this. When you have peace with God and you start honoring his word, you should begin to live at peace with others. We'll talk about that too. The writers of the New Testament understood the power of peace in Jesus. As they were inspired by the Holy Spirit and wrote to the churches and, and began to talk about the incredible things that Jesus would do and the incredible peace that Jesus would bring they, they talked about it, and we get to read about it. Let me show you three verses out of nearly almost 100 that talked about Jesus and peace. But I picked three because I felt like they were very important. The first one is Acts 10, verse 36, that says, You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Great verse. Peace has been announced. It's been announced. It's been told. It's being taught about all over the world. It's being announced that peace happens through Jesus Christ, Romans 5.5. 5. Therefore, 
since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you've been justified. Because you had faith in Jesus and believed in him, you're now justified, which means it's just as if you've never sinned. You also have peace because you have, it's, it's like you've never sinned through Jesus Christ. And then Colossians 1, 19 to 20. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things. Can you turn to your neighbor and say all? To reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now, this is how powerful the cross is. Before the cross, let's put it this way, everything on the planet and everything off the planet. Every galaxy off the planet, everything on the planet was at enmity with God. And the day that Jesus died and said, it is finished, everything was destroyed between God and us. So now what flooded everything on earth and flooded everything in every known universe was peace. Peace. Because God reconciled everything through his blood shed on the cross and peace with God was possible everywhere. Now, the first thing in our life that needs peace is our relationship with God. That's why Jesus came to bring peace with God. All three of these verses talk about a fact about peace with God, and it's this, that peace with God is possible through Jesus. Did you notice that in every single one of the verses? I tried to emphasize it. Did you, everybody got the clear signal I was sending? <laughs> in every verse, it says the peace came through Jesus. Now, this phrase is used all over in the New Testament. You will find it everywhere scattered throughout the New Testament. Through Jesus, you and I have the spiritual blessings that are a part of our life and that are happening through Jesus. They're not happening through us. They're not happening for you through me, your pastor. They're not happening through a church. They're not happening through a denomination. They're not even happening through anything that you and I want it to happen. They only happen through Jesus. Through Jesus. See, you and I have access to God the Father through Jesus. Let me explain this with an illustration. My daughter, Allie, used to really dislike something that I did when she was in high school. If a boy wanted to take my daughter, Allie, to a dance, he had to come talk to me first. And we'd go to Zips, and I'd buy him ice cream just to make him shiver a little more. <laughs> and I would talk to him about how special my daughter was and about how special she was to me and to her mom and that I was trusting him for one evening only <laughs> to not let me down and to make sure that he took care of my daughter for that one night. And I would talk about my expectations and how I wanted him to treat my daughter. 
In other words, if you wanted to take my daughter to a dance, you had to go through me. If you wanted to get to her, you had to go through me. You didn't get to ask her in the hallway, hey, Allie, you want to go to the dance? And it was a done deal. No, that's not how it worked. You had to go through me. Now, Allie one time said, Dad, sometimes it's hard to get a date with a guy because they know they have to talk with you. Yes! But here's what I knew. That meant that only the confident men would come and talk to me. And that's the kind of guy I wanted to take my daughter to a dance. It is a good point. Thanks, AJ. You should be that kind of young man when you grow older. You, you will be. Now, once you had my approval, you could take her. We have a relationship with God through Jesus. We have permission to be in relationship with God through Jesus. Our failures and our brokenness are not a part of our lives, are completely forgiven through Jesus. Our future in heaven is paid for through Jesus. Our relationship with the Holy Spirit is in operation today through Jesus. All of earth and heaven has been reconciled back to God through Jesus. We are filled with peace through Jesus. See, Jesus has this awesome authority to do this because he shed his blood on a cross for the world. Real, lasting, authentic peace only happens through Jesus. Peace is possible through Jesus. Another powerful reality the Bible tells us about peace is this, that relationships need peace. Now, that's kind of a no-brainer. We all know that, right? Relationships need peace. But look at a couple verses with me. Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, now let me emphasize the word you, live at peace with everyone. Now, I'm emphasizing the word you because we so often get this confused and think, if, if I'm going to have peace in this relationship, then it depends on the other person right? That's not what it says. As far as it depends on you, because let's be, let's be real here, right? Sometimes the other person doesn't want to be at peace with you, and it just doesn't matter what you do or what you say or how nice you are. But Jesus says that doesn't matter. You continue to be at peace with everyone. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. 1 Thessalonians 5.13 says, Live in peace with each other. Hebrews 12.14 says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now let me point out, what Hebrews 12 says about peace, because I think it's significant, it says this phrase, make every effort. The message version says it like this, work at getting along with each other. The ESV says it like this, 
Strive for peace with everyone. New King James, pursue peace with all people. New living, work at living in peace with everyone. In other words, what's the word telling us? Peace takes work. If you're going to be at peace, it will take work. If you're going to be at peace in the relationships with the people around you, it'll take work. The Bible's very clear that it will take work. The Bible's also very clear that this is the standard for his people. Okay? This is the standard for his people to live at peace with others. Now, have we always done that really well as a people of God? No. We haven't. If you look back in the past, and sometimes this is one of the things that hangs um, pre-Christians up on, on following Christ as well. The church was just really awful in the past. You're right. We do have. Anybody else in the room have a bad past? Till Jesus came along, or the true Jesus came along? We all do. The church does too. And so, therefore, it's even more important for us today to break that. We won't always get it right in all of our relationships, but it is what we should be aiming for. It's the target. We're always aiming for peace. Jesus wants us to live at peace with everyone. Living at peace is how he lived. It's how he presented himself to the world. It's how he treated people. And it's how every authentic person who follows Christ needs to live in the world as well. Now, there's a lot of things that will rob our peace in relationships. Lots of things. And so every one of us will have to guard our heart and our mind against things that will destroy our peace. Things like anger, selfishness, hatred, anxiety and worry, materialism, gossip, fighting. Those are just a few things that will always disrupt or destroy your peace. Let me ask you a question. Is there someone you don't have peace with? Is, is there someone that you don't have peace with and you know you need to make every effort to be at peace with that person? And sometimes it does take every effort of your day. Maybe it's a coworker and you're like, man, it's gonna take, e Holy Spirit, I head into my work right now. It's gonna take every effort of my strength to make it through this day and be at peace with that person. That may be true for you every single day when you go to work. But let me remind you, the Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit is with you. The Holy Spirit empowers you to go throughout your day and live at peace with that person. So ask the Holy Spirit today to help you with that relationship. Now, there's another interesting reality about peace, and that is that you will need to fight for your peace. You say, Pastor Mark, do you want me to be peaceful or you want me to fight? What, which is it? I want you to fight for your peace because you got to work for it. But I don't want you to fight everything and everyone. I just want you to fight two things. See, you'll, you'll need to primarily fight two things for your peace. Number one, the devil's schemes. And number two, your own thoughts. Right? you know that you're in a spiritual battle. 
And as a follower of Jesus, you know that the devil's schemes are always against you. Ephesians 6 says it like this in verse 11 through 15. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, peace, peace is part of that armor you put on. That armor that it says to put on because we're fighting this spiritual battle all the time, peace is a part of that armor that you and I need to put on, just like truth and righteousness and salvation and faith and God's word. All of those things are a part of the armor of God, but peace is also one of them. In verse 15, it says, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. This is supposed to be a gospel of peace. By the way, that's primarily where maybe the church has gone wrong in the past. They thought that it was a gospel of force, that we would force people to serve Jesus. (laughs) That's not how it was ever supposed to work. They missed this verse. (laughs) It's supposed to be a gospel of peace, not a gospel of force. But it's very true that peace is part of what guards you. It's what guards you against the scheme of the enemy. It's also what guards your own heart and your own thoughts. Paul talks about that in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, where he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now here it is. You're going to either be what? Anxious or full of peace? This verse declares it. Don't be anxious, be full of peace. Now right sandwiched in the middle between anxiety and peace is what? Prayer and thanksgiving. So the, the, the concept and the challenge that you and I deal with is if you want peace, you have to go through Jesus. If you want peace, you need to pray. You need to have a prayer life. If you say right now, I, I don't have peace in any area of my life, the first thing I'd probably ask you is, how's your prayer life? Well, I, I talk to God whenever I have an emergency. Well, that's why you don't have peace. See, we have to have a regular daily relationship with Jesus where we're talking to him all throughout the day. That's all prayer is. It's just conversation with God. I don't know why we had to make a big fancy word for it. But we did, because that's what we do as Christians, right? We make up our own lingo. Prayer. Sandwiched right in between anxiety and peace is prayer with thanksgiving. When you enter into that lifestyle of prayer, you understand that prayer is God's solution to anxiety. It's what God is is preparing for us. Because when we talk to God about all our junk and we give it to him and we thank him for who he is and for who we are and what he's doing, then peace begins to guard your heart and your mind from the anxiety that you and I so quickly and often pick right back up, don't we? It's prayer that breaks it. 
See, peace is a mindset. It's a way of thinking that changes our life. It also happens when we put God's word into practice in our life. Peace is is something that you and I think about our life correctly, think about God's word correctly, put it into practice. Let me explain with an illustration. Duke University recently did a study on peace of mind. Just recently, they did this study. And they found several factors that contribute greatly to emotional and mental stability. So Duke University did a study about the peace of mind, and they found that here were some of the factors that if you could do these things, if you could put these things into practice in your mind and in your heart, they would, they would help you be emotionally and mentally stable. Here's the first one. The absence of suspicion and resentment, nursing a grudge was a major factor in unhappiness. Now that's totally new. I've never heard of anything like that before, except in Matthew chapter six, when God wrote 2000 years ago, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Number two, Duke University said, not living in the past. An unwholesome preoccupation with old mistakes and failures leads to depression. Whew, didn't know that one either. Actually, I did. It's 2,000 years old. Philippians 3, verse 13 says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing, forgetting the past. And looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. The third thing Duke University said was force yourself to stay involved with the living world. Resist the temptation to withdraw and become reclusive during periods of emotional stress. And God in Hebrews 10 verse 25 said, Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Number four, Duke University said, refuse to indulge in self-pity when life hands you a raw deal. Accept the fact that nobody gets through life without some sorrow and misfortune. We already shared this verse, but John 16, 33, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Number five, find something bigger than yourself to believe in. Self-centered ego, I didn't say this, Duke University did, by the way. (laughs) Self-centered, egotistical people score lowest in any test for measuring happiness. Let me ask you a question. What have we been asking all year? Do I trust God? Do I trust God? Do I trust someone bigger than me? Romans 10, 9, 10 and 9 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Now, what does this Duke study tell us about 
Duke's understanding about anxiety and mental health? Well, first of all, it tells us that they're 2,000 years behind. (laughs) And second, it tells us that God's word has been the answer to all these things all along. And here it sits, collecting dust on our coffee table. See, peace becomes a reality when we put God's word into practice in our lives. But you'll have to fight for it. How many of you often find yourselves fighting just to open it? And you find everything in your morning distracted you from just opening this book. It's incredible. And you go to work and think, oh, I was so distracted. And we never put together two and two, which is, Somebody was distracting me to make sure I never opened this book. You'll have to fight for your peace. But peace is possible when you fight for it. The last reality about peace is this. Peace is the result of living a spirit-filled life. And you say, Pastor Mark, you said the same exact thing about joy last week. You, You got it. Right? Because it's the same verse. Galatians 5.2, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. See, three of the things that we're studying, love, joy, and peace, are all a result of you and I opening our life to the Holy Spirit and saying, Holy Spirit, come in. Come fill me. Come help me live for Jesus. Come help me understand your word. Come help me put into practice all these things that you want me to do. Come help me be a great dad, a great husband, a great grandpa, a great coworker. Come help me do all these things, Holy Spirit. When you and I do that, the fruit of our life begins to be peace. Romans 15, 13, our verse for the Christmas season, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I have the power of the Holy Spirit available to us, and when we let him fill us, we receive peace as we trust in him. Would you stand with me? I want to encourage you this week, but not only this week, all all your life to pursue peace. You're going to discover in your Advent journal as you study about peace all week some great uh, additions to the idea of peace. And as you study God's word, I hope you'll just take that in, let the Holy Spirit lead you in your personal Bible study and your personal prayer. But I want you to I want you to pursue Jesus. Just pursue Him all week. And, and let him bring some peace into maybe some of the areas of your life that you know are, are struggling with peace. You'll have to fight for peace in your heart and in your mind. In fact, especially because we just talked about this this morning, because you and I know that the enemy does not want us to have peace, if you walk out the door and say, I want to do what Pastor, Pastor Mark just said, I want that kind of peace, then you also just invited the enemy and his schemes to attack you all week. But here's the good thing. You know it's coming. Sometimes we just got to think logically as followers of Christ. 
When something bad happens to you this week, don't get all teed off about it. Just go, I knew this was coming. I totally knew the enemy was going to try to do this to me because you're trying to rob my peace. And in the name of Jesus, get the heck out of here. You can't rob me of my peace. So when something is challenging this week, know that it's just the scheme of the enemy. He's not very smart and he's not very new with any of his stuff. He's just been trying to get people to sin and do the same thing for thousands of years. The only problem is it's still working. So notice it. Be aware of it. And say, I'm not going to let the enemy rob me of my peace. And surrender your life to the Holy Spirit. Just surrender your life to the Holy Spirit. Because here's what the Holy Spirit always does. He always pushes us to Jesus. He pushes us to Jesus. And as he fills us, we become more like him. And he's just always pushing us in Jesus' presence to be with the Lord. See, God's purpose for our life is for us to be at peace with him, to be at peace with ourselves, and to be at peace with the world. He wants us to live healthy lives. And the peace that Jesus provides empowers us to live physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually healthy lives. At peace with everyone and everything. I'm going to declare to you this morning as we close what we started with. Peace is possible through Jesus. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for your peace. We thank you that that's what you came to bring. And that's what you're continuing to bring. Lord, if there's someone here in this room or watching online later that doesn't have peace with you, I pray that you would help them to discover it. I pray that you would help them by faith to reach out and say, Jesus, I need you. I need to start a relationship with you. And to simply pray that prayer. Say, Jesus, I give my life to you. I give my future to you. Would you forgive me of my sin? And could you and I have peace and begin a relationship? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you just to pray a simple prayer like that and let the peace of God flood your life and your soul and your future. I also want to pray for the rest of us that are followers of Jesus and struggling with peace. Maybe it's peace in a relationship. Maybe it's peace with yourself. When you look in the mirror, you just don't have peace. I want to encourage you. You are a special creation of God. Don't let the enemy rob you of your identity, of your peace, of your hope, and your joy. Look in the mirror with boldness and confidence. And look in the mirror and say, I like what I see. Let the peace of God fill you. Let the Holy Spirit fill you. So that you can look in the mirror and like yourself. Jesus, I also pray that you would help us in, with relationships around us. Some of them might be fractured and just a struggle. Lord, would you help us because we can in the power of the Holy Spirit, because it depends on us to live at peace with those people. And we might have to make some sacrifices and we might have to do some things we don't want to do, but we're going to make peace more important 
than our own desires and our own selfishness. So Jesus, would you be honored, would you be praised in all of our relationships and in our lives. Help us to live at peace with everyone, to live at peace with you, and to desire peace all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, we all said, amen. Amen. All right, Merry Christmas, everyone. Thanks for being in church this morning. Always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I.